Welcome to Catholic Confessions. Hi everyone, I'm Edith and I'm recording this podcast via Zoom as we are presently in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and everyone is staying at home. So I hope you're holding up well amidst these difficult times. I'm very happy to introduce my guest speaker for today, Father Ferdinand Panomo, a Carmelite priest who holds a licentiate in biblical theology. He is also the spiritual director of the Catholic Theology Network in Singapore. Okay, now we know that given this unprecedented global scale of this COVID-19 pandemic, we have uh, many believers and non-believers raising questions about the role of God in this pandemic. And one of the things that I saw being shared on social media is this meme okay, where the context is who wants to be a millionaire, the game show, and the contestant in the hot seat is Pope Francis. And he has to answer this question, which is, what is God's role in the COVID-19 pandemic? And as usual, he has four options to choose from. And these options are that A, he's unaware that it's happening. B, he is aware, but he's unwilling to stop it. C, he is aware, but he is unable to stop it. And D, he deliberately caused it. Okay, so I actually sent this meme to Father Ferdinand. Okay, so Father, could you share with us uh, what were your thoughts when you saw these options? Okay, thank you, Edith, for inviting me. But looking at this meme with the Pope Francis in the hot seat, I, I'm not trying to put myself in his shoes. Yeah, I cannot speak on his behalf, but look, just looking at the options given, I think we can eliminate some of them and I will also share a bit my, of my reason why. Option A, unaware it is happening, I think we can eliminate that because if we were to say that God is unaware that this pandemic is happening, that means where was God before? He was um, sleeping maybe. <laughs> And then suddenly the whole world was on fire with this uh, pandemic. And suddenly God is waking up from his sleep. People are crying out to him, calling his, the helpline and asking God to, to help. Hey, help this, my sick parent, my sick father and mother, or brother, or sister, family, friend, and so on. Uh, or, or to help the doctors and the nurses, or to help the scientists to find a cure or, or a vaccine. You know, that would be the implication that God is unaware that it is happening. I don't think God is like that. Uh, God is in charge of the whole world. He governs the whole world. Jesus says that a bird does not fall down with, without God knowing it. So God knows everything. He's aware. So A cannot be the answer. So if he's unaware, then he has to be aware. Now, if he's aware, what other aspect? B this option B says he's unwilling to stop it. Whereas C, he's aware but unable to stop it. So the issue is whether he is willing or not, or whether he's able or not. If he is unable to stop it, option C, then God would be not almighty because he's unable. There is a limit. <laughs> he cannot do this. Is beyond him. Wow, that, that would be not according to our faith, uh, our Christian faith. 
So we say that God is almighty, so option C cannot be. But what about option B? Aware but unwilling to stop it. Now, this is a bit problematic, I think, because if we say that God is unwilling to stop it, I mean, he can, but he just doesn't want to. But then the next question would be, why? <laughs> yeah. So this, this option will invite more questions. And it will lead down, I think, towards a negative image of God, uh, that God is unmerciful. Why do we deserve this? And what, what wrong have we done? People will, th will think that way, I think. So that, that's problematic. Let, let's put it aside first. I, I think it's difficult to choose that. It's difficult to justify it. So option D is the remaining one, deliberately caused it. Now, this is also problematic, I think with similar reason to option B, because deliberately caused it means that God is aware and if he caused it, probably he can also undo it if he's almighty. But since we know that up to now, the pandemic is ongoing, so probably he's unwilling to stop it. <laughs> so B and D might be the closest, but it's not so easy to just say that way, I think, because it deserves more explanation. If we just say, that God deliberately caused it, it gives the impression that God is a criminal, like um, a loan shark. It looks like God is a loan shark that, who deliberately burns down a, a flat in order to terrorize the occupants, the residents. You know, that is a kind of impression I would get from this deliberately caused it expression. So, the expression is problematic, although I would say that God is in control and God has a purpose in everything that he does. So I would go for D, the deliberately caused it, but I would have to explain it mm. much more than that. Yes, so uh, what would be your, your stand in, ter in terms of this? I'm aware that other people have different opinions, so this is my personal opinion. I, I think God is giving us a wake-up call. Us means not just the Catholics, not just the Christians, but all humanity. God is giving a wake-up call to the whole world through the uh, COVID-19 pandemic in order to make people aware that they are vulnerable that we are vulnerable, that we are not in control of our lives, that we need God, that there is a creator, that there is a God who loves us, who, who has always reached out to us, who has been reaching out to us, but yet people are rejecting God. People do not want to have anything to do with God. And people make laws that go against God's laws, God's laws of love, ultimately, laws uh, that promote life, that promote love. But people rather choose to enact laws that often go against love, go against life. So I think this is a wake-up call for people to reconsider uh, our position with regard to God.
and I and I think um many are reminded of many instances in the Old Testament where several characters, key characters in the in the Bible, experienced various calamities. So what what can we learn from those um those experiences? I think the biggest event, the single biggest event in the Old Testament that we can call a calamity is the exile of the people of Israel from the promised land into the Babylonian kingdom. It was a calamity because the promised land was given by God as a promise, precisely the promised land who is promising it is God himself who gave the promise to Abraham. So if God promised to give this land to the, to the people of Israel, and they have occupied it for hundreds of years, how is it they could, they could lose that land? And not only did they lose their land, but they also lost the temple in Jerusalem. It was burned down. Imagine if St. Peter's Basilica is burned down <laughs> by some enemy. It's the kind of scale of calamity that we can think about that happened at the time of exile. And more than that, the people were exiled, precisely they were brought out to far off land uh, into Babylon. So that's the calamity. And certainly, since it was the Babylonians who brought the people into exile, the first people to, to blame is the Babylonian. But we see in the Bible a different statement. There is no accusation, in fact, of the Babylonians. When we read the prophet Ezra, or the, no, rather the book of Ezra, chapter 5, verse 12, from RSV. But because our fathers had angered the God of heaven, he gave them, the people, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean who destroyed this house and carried away the people to Babylonia. He destroyed this house, means the, the, the temple in Jerusalem, and carried away the people to Babylonia. You see, Ezra, the leader of the people who have returned to Jerusalem, this is after ex, the exile was over, recognized that the whole episode of exile was not to be attributed to the Babylonian king. Ultimately, it has to be attributed to God. It is because of the people's unfaithfulness to God, their stubbornness against God for so many years, hundreds of years. God had sent them prophets after prophets, and they refused to listen. And so in the end, they have to bear the consequences. So this attribution is important. But when we attribute something to God, it should not mean that we blame God. I don't think it is helpful to just see, okay, God is causing this pandemic, so God must be evil. I don't think it's helpful to say that because we are focusing only on God's image, God's character, or whether he is guilty or not, whether he is governing the world in the right way or not the right way according to our opinion. Rather, I think we should focus on ourselves. What is the response that is expected of us when God sends such a calamity? 
The people of the Old Testament recognized that calamities are meant to be a wake-up call to repentance. And even among those who are upright, as much as we can call them upright, prophets, for example, they were men of God, and yet they also suffered the consequences. They did not blame God. Yeah, they did not say, God, why do I deserve this? Rather, they interceded for the people. They recognized that it is a collective sin. The whole humanity, the whole people have sinned. And so they intercede for the sinners. They put themselves in the shoes of the sinners and they beg for God's mercy. I think that is the right response. Yeah, so like what Father just said, because as Christians, we are called to repentance constantly. We are called to turn away from sin constantly. But in times of these great suffering and great calamity, what it does is to draw our attention to also the sufferings of others and also the, the kind of like collective sin that Father just talked about. So, you know, a, a very concrete action on our parts would be uh, to, to not just uh, repent and, and pray for ourselves, but to really intercede for everyone else whom we, whom we know about. Perhaps I should elaborate a bit more of what I said that we need to, um, our response should be that of repentance and intercession. Why did I say that? Because I find in the Bible an example, a beautiful example of Prophet Daniel. He was an upright man. He was a prophet. And yet he was also exiled together with the other Israelites into Babylon. So he stayed in Babylon. He finds himself in Babylon. And he tried to continue to be faithful to God. He continued to pray several times a day to God. And somebody among the um, Babylonians found out that he was still worshipping God, whereas the Babylonians wanted everybody to worship their gods. So they put Daniel into a lion's den. But God vindicated him by rescuing him from the lions. The lions did not open their mouths, so Daniel survived. Whereas the next day, the king put those who accused Daniel into the same lions then, and the lions devoured them in no time. So Daniel escaped, so he could continue with his prayers to God. Now, in this prayer, Daniel recognized how much his people were suffering in Babylon. And yet, his response was not to blame God was not to ask the question, God, why did you allow us to be brought into Babylon? Why did you allow us to lose the promised land that you have given us? What wrong have we done? You know, he did not do that. Instead, what we find in the Bible, yeah, if you open to Daniel chapter 9, it's a beautiful prayer of this prophet Daniel. He prostrated himself before God and said, to you, O God, belong righteousness. To us, confusion of faith. To you, O God, belongs mercy and forgiveness. Because we have rebelled against you. Because we have sinned against you. So Daniel 
did not blame God. Instead, he recognized the sins of his people and he put himself in the shoes of his people. He did not say, God, have mercy on them, on those sinners by whose fault I have to suffer all these things. <laughs> he didn't say that. Instead, he begged God. He said, we have sinned against you. He included himself in the we. We have sinned against you. And so he is asking God for mercy, for liberation, because what else they can do? They were in a foreign land. There is no future for them. If God did not act to save them, there will be no more Israelites. The people will be gone eventually. So God did answer. God said he would restore the people, but there is a time for that. The people had to wait. It was already prophesied in the prophet Jeremiah that the exile would last 70 years. So they just had to wait. They have to persevere in their faithfulness as much as they could in this land of exile. So I think it's just one of the several examples that we can find. I mean, it would take too long to name them all. Uh, but this is one of the most beautiful because it's expressed in such a heartfelt prayer. And if you want, you can read the whole prayer in Daniel chapter 9. Mm. So while in, in these times, um, as we continue to hope and to persevere and in our prayers to find solidarity with those who are suffering, there are still a lot of people who can't help but wonder about the divine um, punishment, that whether this pandemic is the divine punishment. There's a lot of, um, kinds of all kinds of debate online. Okay, there are people who have come forward insisting that this is not any kind of punishment from God. This is just a natural occurrence because um, God cannot be evil. You know, God is good and kind and loving and forgiving and hence cannot be punishing his peoples. Yeah, so what is your, your position on, on this? Yeah, we are very used to portraying God or desiring to see God in, in very positive light and that he's kind and merciful and forgiving. But I think we may have forgotten a, a verse in the New Testament. Yeah, just now I mentioned Old Testament. Now, now we have to consider the New Testament. In the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 11. And I will quote only verses 5, 6, and 11. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, that's the quotation. And the first two verses about discipline of the Lord and punished by him is actually a quotation from Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verses 11 to 12. But it is used in the New Testament. But the point is that when we are disciplined by the Lord or even punished by him, yeah, and this, this word punished is used, we need not see that as God hating us or that God has enough of us. 
but that God is treating us as, as his children, whom he loves. It is actually an act of love because I think you can, um, well, those among you who are parents would, would be able to understand this, that you have, if you have children, then you would naturally teach your children well as best as you can, but definitely you will discipline the children. If the children rebelled against you, you have to discipline them. You have to tell them that that's not the right response, not the right behavior, that they have to obey the parents. And you discipline them not because you hate them, but because you love them. It's so that because you want them to grow up to be good men and women themselves. That's why you discipline them. So at the moment the children are disciplined, it is unpleasant. I myself remember when I was a teenager, it's a teenage time, so we try, tend to rebel against our parents. So at, as a teenager, I also started to rebel. I started to say no a lot more to my, my mom, especially. And she was a disciplinarian in, in our home. And she would discipline me a lot of uh, physical uh, punishment also. At that time, of course, it was very unpleasant. It was painful. It was terrible. I had to stand in the corner and so on. But I realized afterwards that it was for my good, that it's not because my mom hated me, but because she, she loved me. She didn't want me to become unruly man. She wanted me to become a disciplined man. And that discipline actually goes a long way in my life, in my studies, in my work, and now in religious life. It is it's a, it's a good thing, actually. So I'm, I'm grateful that my mom, my dad has have disciplined me when I was little, when I was young. So God is the same. God is treating us as, as his children, and we are his children. And God wants us to be good. So it pains God to see that humanity is rejecting him, not because he wants attention, that he wants control, no, but because he knows that it is good for us to be on God's side, to accept God as God, as our Father, and that we can find life and happiness and eternal life way beyond this world, only in God. And so God is, yeah, punishing us, giving us this wake-up call. It's all for our good. God's punishment is never out of hatred. It is always medicinal. That means it's meant to heal. It's meant to restore us to relationship, to good relationship with God, because only in that way we can live. Yeah. So we should see this punishment not in negative light, but in positive light. It is God treating us as his children. Okay. And we pray that um, believe, both believers and non-believers will respond in, in a way that conforms to God's will. And we would like to thank Father Ferdinand for his time and insights and thank you for listening take care and God bless for more confessions do check out our website and Facebook page